Hi, everybody. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes. Next week, we'll be introducing Pastor Troy Nielsen. I've known Troy a long time, and uh, he is coming on staff here at CLCC as an associate pastor of ministries. And I'm looking forward to his gifts and his contribution to our community. This week, we're continuing on in our series called, I Used to Think, But Now I Know. And the quote that I want to talk about this week and uh, springboard off of is a quote by Bob Goff in his book, Love Does. I used to think being a believer was enough. Now I know God wants participants. And uh, you've probably heard me say uh, several times over the past years, uh, one of my favorite sayings is, I want to not only believe in Jesus, I want to act like I believe in what Jesus believed in. For even the devil believes in Jesus. And that's, I think, saying basically the same thing that Bob Goff is saying in his book. We really want to act out our faith. Uh, Theology, unless it makes a practical difference in how we live, isn't worth much. In fact, something is tragically wrong with our theology if it doesn't result in our response to acting it out and living like Jesus. The text that I want to talk about today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, to chapter 11, verse 1. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us to be participants in your kingdom. Thank you for these principles that the Apostle Paul sets out for us as we endeavor to live our lives in ways that are pleasing to you, in ways that benefit the kingdom of God, in ways that bring glory to Jesus. So, Father, I pray that uh, we would remember that it's not just about believing the right things, but it's about participating, acting on those things as we endeavor to live out our lives in ways that will bring Blessing to you, honor to you, glory to you, and further the kingdom of God. In your name we pray, amen. So in our text, we're picking up the conclusion of a number of things the Apostle Paul has been talking about in 1 Corinthians. He's been discussing a hot topic in the first century, which I'm sure isn't much of a topic today to, uh, to be controversial. Uh, he is talking about socializing or participating in idol temple feasts. You see, in the first century, there were idol temples all over the place and certain you know, uh, in the worship of many different gods. And this was a place where people gathered to eat good food and to socialize together, to to basically be a community place, a, a place where people could find friends and greet friends and and socialize. Uh, people were expected to attend the feasts, and, and people weren't particular about which god you worshipped, but they were really particular about the idea that you would be there and worshipping some god. And if your boss attended a certain temple and worshipped there, then it was expected that you would be there. Or if your uh, 
father or husband or patron attended a certain temple and uh, participated in the feast, it was expected that you also would go there because it was kind of like uh, part of their culture that they would be in temple together, uh, not so much for the worshiping aspects, but as, as much, if not more, for the socializing aspect or the, the community uh, creation that happened during these uh, festivals or events. Paul is telling the Corinthian believers that this is not a good idea. It's not a good idea to go and uh, participate in these idol festivals. Uh, and, and he wants to steer them away from that. And, and this is controversial because this is going to be very difficult for fellow followers of Jesus to avoid these places because uh, it's going to cause problems at work. It's going to cause problems with families if a wife and her children who begin to follow Jesus aren't going to go to the temple with her husband, uh, that's going to cause some difficulties. It's going to make life more difficult for them. And so this is a controversial issue. Paul is saying this is not a good idea because by participating in the idol festivals, you are really fraternizing with demons. So Paul says, this is something that you should avoid. Well, I don't think in our culture we have uh, any inclination to go to uh, idol temples, to, to participate in idol uh, feasts or festivities. Uh, but there are other controversial issues in our culture that, that are controversial in the church and, and we need to make decisions about. Well, uh, currently, whether to wear masks or not to wear masks, uh, whether to uh, defy the uh, public health officer and, and, and gather or not, uh, whether or not to get vaccinated. All of these have become controversial issues in the church. And uh, every generation has a different issue that they're facing. Every generation seems to uh, struggle with uh, some kind of cultural issue. <laughs> when I was growing up on the east coast of Canada, it was about uh, whether or not women, Christian women, should wear makeup or dye their hair or wear high heels or wear nylon stockings for, for uh, a long time. As well, it was, it was uh, a controversial issue whether followers of Jesus should attend movies, go to, go to the theater, uh, to go to dances, or anything like that. So every generation has these issues which followers of Jesus struggle with. And, and what the Apostle Paul is going to do in our text, he's going to set down some principles for us to make healthy decisions about these kinds of things, these topics that come up from time to time in church life so that our behavior really reflects what Jesus would like or want and that we extend the kingdom of God through what we do and we don't bring a detriment to the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul goes on to say in, in our text or just before our text that uh, uh, it's okay to eat meat sacrificed to idols because this was another topic of discussion and controversy in the early church. So what was happening is that often uh, meat was sold in the marketplace that had been sacrificed to idols and was extra, was left over. It, it wasn't burned or it wasn't used up in the festival. So it would show up in the marketplace and it would be on sale. And people would go to the market and buy their meat, bring it home, cook it up. And uh, uh, we're wondering if this meat sacrificed to idols was somehow tainted and might somehow influence them. And the Apostle Paul is saying, no, uh, that's not a problem. Uh, you can eat that meat sacrificed to idols because it, it won't uh, uh, harm you in any way. But if you go to a friend's house and they, eat, they offer you uh, meat, 
Uh, first of all, don't ask where it came from. But if they say it came from uh, meat, uh, had been sacrificed to idols, and you sense that they're telling you this because they're wanting to see if you condone idol worship, then don't eat it. Because it's really a, a, a something that you want to be aware of, that sometimes people test us to see if what we condone or what we don't condone by our behavior. So he says, be careful if you're at a friend's house and they offer meat sacrifice to idol and they make a big deal of it and uh, perhaps they even pray over the meal and again uh, refer to this sacrifice. So don't participate in that because you don't want to appear to be condoning our idol worship. Uh, be careful not to offend their consciences. That's the way the Apostle Paul says it, or condone idol worship. So in our text, Paul moves off those specific topics and he begins to broaden the discussion to the principles about how to participate in living out our belief in Jesus. First of all, he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's verse 31. Do it all for the glory of God. That means our family life, our work life, our leisure life, our church service, whatever we do, we need to do it with having in mind the glory of God. Um, people need to hear from us and see us in ways that brings honor and glory to Jesus, in, in ways that would affirm the good news. In, they need to see us doing things that, that, that would really uh, help to affirm that the gospel is true. In other words, uh, is there peace in our life? Is there love in our life? Is there joy? Do you know that in, in the Bible, both love and joy are verbs? Uh, joy is not simply an emotion. It's something that we express. Love is not simply emotion. It's something that we do for the other person. And love, agape in the Bible, is not focused on us. It's always focused on others. And so people are watching us and, and wondering, yeah, is, is Christianity true? Does it really make a difference in people's lives? And if we don't live in ways that prove that we have peace, that people who don't have Jesus don't have, that we have joy, that we are willing to sacrifice in ways that people who don't know Jesus aren't willing to sacrifice, then, then uh, God's not glorified. Jesus is not glorified. The kingdom of God is not advanced. The gospel's not affirmed as being the truth. Whenever Christians behave badly, or whenever Christians don't do things that they should be doing, then we cause people to doubt the gospel. We doubt, they doubt the veracity, the power of the gospel to save and transform lives. So the apostle is reminding us, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, so that Jesus is praised, that it affirms that the gospel is the saving power of God and that he really makes a difference in people's lives. The second principle that Paul talks about. He says, don't cause anyone to stumble. That's verse 32. Whether Jew or Greek or fellow believers, we have to be careful not to give anybody an excuse not to trust Jesus or to slip into bad habits. So we might talk about slippery slope issues in this way. Uh, well, if, if, if um, perhaps one of the slippery slope issues, I think, in our day is, is self-medication. Uh, with all of the stresses that people are involved with, sometimes Christians uh, begin to self-medicate, uh, perhaps with alcohol or uh, over-the-counter drugs or perhaps even drugs that, that aren't over-the-counter. 
And I, I think we have to be careful because when people watch us doing that, uh, they may take it even further and believe that it's okay to really, uh, uh, without any restraint, indulge in all kinds of uh, uh, medicating themselves that will cause all kinds of harms. And of course, we know that, uh, that medications can be extremely dangerous and so many followers of Jesus and, and, and people uh, that we know in our communities have been uh, caught up in addictions to... Uh, things that they thought were simply um, mild sedatives or mildly enhancing their, uh, their emotional state. We also see another slippery slope issue would be isolation from communities. Some people are believing that they really don't need to associate with other Christians, that uh, following Jesus is a solo effort. They can do it as lone rangers. They can be by themselves, and, and they're just fine on their own. And I, I think that can be a slippery slope issue as well, because eventually people uh, who do not have fellowship with other Christians tend to move further and further away from Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. I think we all need to keep in mind that whatever, as parents, whatever we value, our children will imitate. And, and if we don't value community, and if we don't value uh, the things that Jesus values, then we, we discover that our children have moved even further away from those values. Keep in mind, uh, as someone has said, that we're only one generation away from raising barbarians, from raising children who know nothing about God. And that's one of the things that I always kept in mind when raising our boys, is that that we set standards where we knew if the kids might not quite have the same standard as we have regarding that. And if they slack off a little bit, they're not going to cross a line, but rather they're still safe. And, and I think that's something important for parents to keep in mind as we uh, are cautious not to cause anybody to stumble. The third principle that Paul sets out is seek the good of many rather than your own good. That's verse 33. In other words, love your neighbor. This is kind of fundamental to the gospel, isn't it? It's, it's the idea of Jesus dying on the cross for us, sacrificing himself for us, giving up his own rights, his own priorities, so his own desires, so that uh, we could live and have the best life possible. So the question is not, can I do it? The question is not, what can I get away with? The question that we need to ask ourselves when we are dealing with controversial issues or hot topics, the question is, is it a good thing to do? In particular, is it a good thing to do for others? The fourth principle that Paul sets out in our text is that we need to follow Paul's example as he follows Jesus. Now, notice the order. It's important. Uh, we follow Paul because he's following Jesus. Our first priority is always to follow Jesus. Our first priority is not to follow a tradition. Uh, we love traditions, but that's not our first priority. Our first priority is follow Jesus. And, and uh, it's not to follow a uh, luminary Christian teacher. And, and I see this uh, uh, quite often that, that folks in the church uh, tend to fixate on certain luminary teachers who have some kind of take on the gospel that they, they seem to um, gravitate toward. Instead of following Jesus, they're following the teacher. And often these teachers, and, and, and human teachers will disappoint us from time to time, uh, will lead them down the wrong path. I, I'm surprised, I'm always surprised 
uh, in, in 40 years of pastor, pastoral ministry of the gullibility of Christians to follow uh, luminary Christian teachers uh, down pathways that aren't helpful to the gospel. I, I, I was just thinking the other day about Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker, who were televangelists in the 1980s and who started the Heritage USA and raised all kinds of money, uh, were fraudulent in what they did. Uh, they uh, um, were living extremely extravagant lifestyles. And eventually he went to prison for fraud. And uh, he, he shows up uh, in our day um, selling uh, kits, survival kits for the end of the world. <laughs> whenever people are selling things, whenever people are raising money uh, and it's attached to the gospel, we should be very suspicious of that. And so people now are coming up with all kinds of theories regarding end times and, and related to COVID and conspiracies and all these kinds of things. Be very cautious about any of that stuff and remember to follow the example of Jesus and not any particular teacher. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, keep coming back to that. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, water baptism, which we are participating in this week at CLCC, really illustrates our commitment to active participation in our life of faith. Uh, water baptism is extremely physical and tactile. It is something your body must experience. Notice that water baptism, this, this ordinance, this or sacrament that Jesus left for the church to participate in, very similar to communion or the Lord's Supper, is very tactile. You, you taste it. You participate with your body. It's not something that's just a mental exercise. It's not just about belief. It's about something that we enter into. It's something that we feel. It's something that we do. It's something that we act out. Um, you, you can't be baptized in water in your head. <laughs> you can't have communion simply in your head. You have to do something about it. You have to participate in it. Uh, and it's done in public. And, and water baptism is, uh, requires boldness on our part. You know, to be willing to stand up in front of people and confess your faith. That, that takes some, uh, some boldness, some, some real desire, some real effort, uh, if, particularly for people who are very shy. And notice as well that it's, it's a rather humbling experience because you're giving yourself over to someone else to put you in the water and trusting them to bring you back out of the water. And this really is uh, what Jesus wants us to understand as an illustration of what it means to be his follower, that it's, it's not just about a mental thing, it's not just about belief, it's about participating, it's about humbling ourselves, it's about being immersed or submerged or completely being enveloped in the kingdom of God and participating in his desire, his will, in obedience to him. Keep this in mind as you follow Jesus, that it's not just something mental. Yeah, I, I think we have to have great orthodoxy, but we also have to practice our faith. And, and this requires us uh, to remember these principles that the Apostle Paul has been setting out for us. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for your grace in our lives that you've called us to be followers of Jesus, to follow his example. Lord, we understand that it's, it's not simply about belief, but it's about acting out our belief in our everyday lives, in our workplace, in our schools, in our homes, during our leisure time. We thank you for these principles that you've set out for us. I pray that we would truly bring glory 
to God by what we do and that we, that we wouldn't cause others to stumble. And it wouldn't be a me first kind of a thing, but it's an other first kind of a thing as we, we think about how our decisions and how our behavior affects others. Help us to always keep that in mind and to live like Jesus. Thank you as you enable us to participate in your kingdom. Thank you that we are your people. You, we are your body living out your life in the communities that we find ourselves. We thank you for this. We bless your name. We hope to honor you. Amen. There's a question that I want to co- you to contemplate over this next minute or so. It's this. In what ways can your everyday life affirm the truth of the gospel and in so doing bring glory to God? So think of that for a minute, and I'll come back with a concluding comment. Bob Goff, in his book, Love Does, tells a great story uh, about himself when he was in grade 11. He decided to quit school in grade 11. He wasn't a great student. He was tired of it. He wanted to go to Yosemite National Park and become a mountain ranger and maybe, or or a forest ranger and and climb mountains. And so one day he decided to, to quit school and take off. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. But there was a young guy who was in his school who worked for Young Life. And he began to have conversations with Bob about life in general and about Jesus. And, and so on his way out of town, Bob stopped at this uh, young life worker's house just to inform him that he was leaving town, he was going to Yosemite, he was going to find a job and eventually become a forest ranger. And this young man said, uh, just a moment, and disappeared into the back of the house and, and came out a few minutes later with a, with a sleeping bag and a backpack. And he said, Bob, I'm going to come with you. Uh, let's do this together. Little did Bob know, this young guy had just got married, but he was just going to hang out with Bob and, and, and uh, uh, participate in, in Bob's adventure. So Bob and this uh, young life worker went to Yosemite and uh, slept overnight in tents, and Bob began to look for a job. Everywhere he went, they turned him down. It wasn't the right season for hiring. There were absolutely no jobs available. And uh, this young life worker just hang out with him and, and talk with him and said to Bob, uh, yeah, Bob, I'm, I'm with you. Let's, let's go and uh, try out uh, that restaurant down there and see if, see if they have a job. And he just hung out with him, followed him around, And eventually, Bob came to the conclusion that high school was probably a better prospect for him than uh, finding a job in Yosemite Park. And so he packed up and uh, invited the young life uh, worker to come back with him. And he went back home and, of course, finished school and and eventually became a lawyer. But Bob looks back on that that young life worker and his, his willingness just to hang out with him, just to be with him, just to, just to go through this adventure with him as pivotal in his life of faith. And it was one of the major reasons Bob eventually came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. You see, when we participate in, in uh, the lives of others, when we endeavor to live out the life of Christ, when it's it just simply as, as, as simple as hanging out with people, we uh, really bring glory to God and we further the gospel. And that's our challenge, isn't it? To, to live our lives in such a way as to affirm the good news that, that when you invite Jesus into your life, it will really make a difference in who you are and how you behave. Our doxology for this series is from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back 
from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.